Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. If I asked you, define in your own words what true rest means to you, what would you say to me? Like, really think about it. True rest. Would it be a fantastical vacation with all the things that you like, whether it's the tropical scene, whether it's the tourism of all tourism, whether it's like, what would that look like to you vacation-wise, if that's your definition of true rest? Or does it look like having the um, most amazing spa session? I'm talking about they were deep tissue massaging areas that you were like, I didn't even know that that was supposed to feel great, but like I didn't know that it was also hurting and that you realigned and you taught me things about how the shoulder's supposed to be, you know, a little bit more agile. Like, wow. Or would it be being around everyone that you love in one sitting, reclaiming that sense of home? I had someone tell me the other day that she feels her most happiest when she has a house full of her family and I was like wow I do not feel the same (laughs) listen house full of what who's cleaning that it's gonna be dishes how much noise is that until what time because again wired completely different so back to the original question if I were to ask you what true rest meant for you Would you be able to verbalize what that looks like? Now, I came up with this because I realized that I can define it, but the definition is not working for me. That I can verbalize and give you a practical sense of what that looks like, but the thing that I defined is actually working against me. See, true rest for me looks a lot like everything that I set out for, for that day, for that week, I completed it. Oh my goodness. You don't know how much of a check off grandbaby I am. Checklist, (laughs) yo, checklist me down. You understand? Let me make a checklist and be able to check it off. Bro, you talk about utopia. Don't let me go to work and finish my to-do list. Stop playing with me. You Don't let me set out to make that grocery list, go to the store. They have everything that I set out to do for this. And everything is in stock. Are you, you said, you talking about a happy grandbaby? Don't let it be that I set out to go school shopping, Christmas shopping, any kind of shopping. And I made my list and everything is being delivered on time come on establishments you understand do not play okay do not play however what I quickly noticed was the way that you define rest is the way that you will receive your peace so when I zoomed out to get a better perspective I realized that My rest was contingent on external factors. It's not a horrible thing to want to write a to-do list and 
check it off and feel like, yay, I'm accomplished. Because I understand that in the realm of grandbaby, and I am the grandbaby that I get, I feel my best when I see results. And so what I've done is given myself ample opportunity to receive that. I mean, I could write a checklist over the most minute things that you'd be like, seriously? I'll write a checklist that looks a lot like this. Do your hair. Drop the uh, pup-pups at daycare. And uh, go pick up a pack of water. And check all three of those off. Stop playing with me. (laughs) Who's productive? Me, 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 me. Choose me. Yes, because that's who I am. And while that may work for that day, because in and of itself, you're looking at it like, that's not a lot. Just wash your hair, pace yourself, because wash day can be real. Um, Drop the babies off. That's really not a big deal. And a pack of water. Somebody's establishment has a pack of water. Like, it's okay. But when I transfer that same mentality over to work, mm -mm, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Depending on what you do, what to-do list. Um, your to-do list looks at you like the way Portia did on uh, Real Housewife. Who said that? <laughs> Who said that? Who said you was coming to work and being uh, anybody's productive? Today? <laughs> oh, you're going to have a Monday every day. You have a nice day. It's what the to-do list kind of like sometimes says, right? And so it dawned on me that I literally got off of work And then for the next three to four days, I was talking about items that happened last week. So to give you a better picture, I got off of work early. I got, we had a short week. I got off of work on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. All I did was talk about the things that did not go right on Thursday. And so Friday I talked about it. And I was like, this is ridiculous. I just, I can't, you know. And so I'm trying to go through the things. Because I am also part of the elite grandbaby that I want to see resolve. Not tomorrow, not a year, yesterday. Okay? Because the things that I see that needs to resolve are not things that looks like it it should take a long time. It should not take a long time to go. We're not turning around the Titanic. We're turning around a tugboat. So let's go ahead and turn this thing around, see real results yesterday. Okay? I rolled my eyes. I do apologize. I rhymed, Dr. Seuss flow. So... Things didn't work out the way that I wanted them to on Thursday. Actually, to be quite honest to you, with you, because this is a unveiled safe place, Thursday was probably one of the worst days that I've ever had. Everything that could go wrong went wrong. Like all in one sitting before 11 o'clock. Do you understand how much pressure you, and to not be a coffee drinker? Yeah, the amount of, oh, my goodness, that was happening. It literally was like, okay, because I am not a person that a problem can just happen. We resolve it. We keep it moving. It is the problem happens. Okay, so let's resolve that. But then also, what can we put in place that this never happens again? Because we're not going to keep putting Band-Aids where there needs to be sutures, and we're not going to keep cutting the the surface of the weed. We need to actually pull this from the root. I'm a root solver. Yeah, the resolve needs to go back as far as we can to the root so that we don't have this replicated in any other part of our garden. 
So when all the things that could go wrong went wrong and I and there were things that they shouldn't have gone wrong had we had some things in place, Friday that was most of my conversation. Talked myself into a freaking headache because Friday I had off. So I was like, you know what? Mm-mm. I need a massage. Saturday set up for a massage. Felt good in the massage, but had to fight myself not to think about <laughs> the work stuff from Thursday. I'm like, ma'am. You please have a nice day. Cool. Sunday had to make the declaration, do not wake up and have this on your mind. This is ridiculous. And then finally said, oh, my gosh, I am doing this wrong. If if two things were connected to a cable, you know, if the TV is connected to the cable box, then that means that the TV is contingent to whatever the cable box messages are is is informing if the cable box said yo you're supposed to be on um channel 17 then the tv will display channel 17 if the cable box said no no no, now we're going to espn then the tv is going to reflect okay now we're watching espn the problem is is that i should never my piece should never display something connected to the external anything i don't want the tv of my life to reflect or project anything from the external environments that I'm in. If my external environment is is on a stressful channel, I don't want to automatically display that. If my external environment is in a noisy and it's too much and it's too many people, I don't want to automatically display that. And I'm saying display in that you either feel that in your emotions, you wear it in your emotions, you start to overthink it in your mental capacity. Now it's starting to manifest into your physical body because you're starting to have a reaction to the thing that you're connected to. So I literally said, okay, I'm going to unplug everything. And when it comes to my rest, what is the surefire way to make sure that no matter where I am, no matter who I speak to, no matter where I go, that no matter what I display in my being, rest. Rest. When I go to work, my rest cannot be contingent on doing everything on my to-do list, making sure that everything is has a process and has a flow and because that's the way that I like to work. Unfortunately, at work, especially if you're in a department, if people don't share that like-minded way of thinking, then you are already uh, setting yourself up for failure. If someone else thrives and is consistently working in a hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, and you do not work like that, then that's already two particular things working against each other. But how can you go to work in that same environment and make sure that no matter who else works differently from you, whether it's productive or not, that you carry out rest with you no matter where you go? Because prior to this conversation, what it looked like to me is finding somewhere else to work. (laughs) Finding somewhere else to work, Going to another establishment, making yourself, being your own boss, going into entrepreneurship, doing all the things, a.k.a. root issue, leave. Root resolve, go somewhere else. Okay, that's pretty much the root of, okay, I can do this somewhere else. But what I realized is if God gave you a hand 
No matter how many times you shuffle it, you still got to play your hand. You'll go somewhere else and have the same exact boss with the same exact mechanics and way of thinking, just a different name and probably a little bit of a different personality. That one had an attitude and was incompetent. This one is really, really sweet and incompetent. This That one was really disrespectful when she spoke to you but was straightforward. This one is uh, really, really sweet but not straightforward. The, you will start to see, oh, my gosh, I shuffled it, but I don't have a new hand. And so I made the stance. I no longer want my rest, which is essentially your peace, to be contingent on external factors. When the Bible said that God said to us, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. That means give it to me and stop thinking about it give it to me and stop feeling it give it to me and it will be resolved you just have to let it go and while I said God I can do that spiritually but I'm a hundred percent when it comes to God I speak a hundred I don't if I don't keep it real with nobody else I'm gonna thug it out and keep it a trill with God and so what I said to him is you have to give me something practical because the way that I am I'm a very real life person you got to give me something that I can say, oh, okay, that's what that looks like. So then I can walk that out. That's why I praise God. I didn't just have to read a book and then that's how I got Christianity. I can always refer back to my Bible and say, oh, that's the way Jesus did it. Oh, that's the way Peter did it. Oh, that's the way Abraham. And then I should not do what, what Eve did. And then, so I have a practical way of putting something in place in my life that is going to work. And so when I said that to God, he was like, cool, I want you to remember, um, what Jesus did in the boat. I said, oh, that time that they got scared with the storm? He was like, absolutely. I said, okay, well, let me go ahead and read about it. So I went to Mark 4. You know, I read in the NLT version. Jesus calming the storm starts at verse 35. So let's just jump right into it. 35. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. 36. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. 37. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. 38. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Repeat that in the name of Jesus. 39. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. Pause. Other versions say, peace be still, um, or peace be still rather. And so that's the one that we, we are most comfortable with. It, well, the one that I remember the most. So let me continue. Go back to verse 39. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the waves. Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm 40 then he asked them why are you afraid do you still have no faith 41 the disciples were absolutely terrified who is this man they asked each other even the wind and the waves obey him i want to go back to 39 when jesus woke up he rebuked the wind and said to the waves silence be still. 
Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. I think so many times when we are introduced to certain things in our lives that are problematic, the first thing we do is we deal with the symptoms. So if Jesus would have woke up and dealt with the symptom, it would have looked a lot like trying to fix the fact that there is not water in the boat. Because verse 37 said, but soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. So if Jesus was a symptomatic savior, then he would have woke up and immediately started to retract the water from the boat. He would have went ahead and started to try to repair the parts that were breaking due to the storm. But because we have a Jesus that understands that if you don't stop the root, <laughs> the symptoms are always going to be there. What he did was he got up immediately and he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. There was an order to why he did it that way. Because you can stop the waves, but then that wind is still doing what it needs to do and it's pushing the water and, and doing all that. So in the order of calming the wind and stopping the waves, after that, then we can deal with the fact that there's still water in this boat and there's probably some parts of this boat that needs to be repaired. So he stopped the root of what was causing the water and the breakage. And then he went to the root of why the disciples woke him up in the first place. Because it says in verse 38, Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on the cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? So I'm not going to address the fact that you don't think I care. I'm not going to even going to address the fact that you uh, frantically woke me up. What Jesus did address in verse 40 was their fear. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Well, Jesus, why would you even question if they didn't have no faith? Because why are you afraid? Well, how did you automatically assume that they were afraid? Because if you ever come to me and you ask me why I don't care about something, then it is clear that you are afraid and you have more, uh, the situation has allowed you and persuaded you to believe that your fear is more real than the faith that you have in me. I would have respected the fact, this is Jesus speaking in my opinion, if they would have woke him up and said, can you stop the water? Yeah, can you stop? Can you stop it? Because the, uh, can you help us fix the boat? But your fear drove you to wake Jesus up to ask him, don't you care? So recognizing your fear. The first thing Jesus said to them was, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Out of everything you see me doing in your life, you still don't have no faith. So when you pray to me at night with the tears and the anger or whatever the emotion is that you've been persuaded to take on and you're asking me in prayer time, God, don't you? And how come? And God, I just need and I'm getting frustrated. God is not looking at the symptoms of how you're asking him a thing or, or why you're even asking him in the first place. He's looking at your heart condition. He's seeing the way that your soul is getting weary. And he's asking, why are you still afraid? Do you still have no faith? Do you still believe that I'm going to let finances consume you? 
Do you still believe that I'm going to allow people to strategically try to divert you off the plan that I have for your assignment, for your life that I made? Do you still believe that there is anything else in this world that is more powerful than me? When the Bible clearly says that um, he who is in you, right, is more powerful than he who is in the world, right? There are so many things that are confirming that God don't play about his people. It said in Romans 8.28, which I'm going to quote until the end, you understand, that all things work together for your good. So when you come to God with an emotion, with something that seems like, well, don't you care, or something that you've been persuaded to negatively feel, don't you know that God is looking back at you like, why are you still afraid? Do you still have no faith? Why are you coming to me about that job? Yeah, you can blame the supervisor. You can blame the leadership. You can blame the work volume. You can blame that, you know, maybe if you had more helper, maybe if you had more, we can see all the things that's the problem. So when you go to God and you say, I want to go somewhere else, I, I, I can't do this anymore. This is too much. I feel like if I stay here, it's just going to, I'm going to, I'm not going to be happy. And you, you have all these things of what you're not going to do and how it's not going to work and why you need to leave. And don't you know that God's looking back at you like you're still afraid. But you're literally computing in the spiritual realm is fear. You're afraid that if you don't make a move from here that you're not going to get to your indesired result. You're afraid that if you continue to work under SEP supervisor that you're not going to learn the things that's going to propel and excel you in this particular career path. You're afraid that you don't have the necessary skills to handle burnout at your particular establishment so that if it keeps going this way, that you are going to be consumed by burnout and all the physical ramifications that happens when a person is burnt out. You are afraid and you still don't have faith that all this is going to work out for you. And you still don't have faith that if you keep trucking along and doing what you know that has to be done that it is going to work out for you. My husband gave me a beautiful analogy. He said, you know, because we've been watching a lot of track and field lately. And he said, in a relay race, the person is only responsible for their leg. You're only responsible for your leg, your particular. So if you're the first, the second, the third, however they go ahead and place you, those are known as legs. When you run the first leg, and you hand your baton over to the person who is second, you are done. You're done. That's why you see most of them run off into the grass after that. They're done. The rest of the race continues, but they're done. What happens is with burnout, you know that you're supposed to pass the baton, but you are continue, you're continuously running. Why? Because something in you equated to, if I don't keep running, this may fall through the cracks. That may not be done. I may be viewed as incompetent. I may show up on a report. There may be whatever the acknowledged circumstance or reprimand may be. You've acknowledged that as the thing that you're afraid of. And so you have literally made a decision and you are more dedicated to being burnt out 
than you are in establishing true rest. Why do you overdo in a relationship? Because you are afraid that that relationship is going to end. That is, we can go through all the semantics and all we can go all around the mulberry bush. But at the end, you do all that you do. You invest all that you do because you don't want to be alone. Because you don't want to look like you put all that time into somebody for no reason. Because you don't want to make everybody right and you and you look stupid. Because you don't want to, because you don't truly have the faith that if you were to give this situation up and put it in God's hands and really truly walk away, pass the baton to God and walk away, you don't believe that you would win this race. What are you going to God about that looks a lot like, don't you care that we're drowning? That he could potentially look back at you and say, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Out of all the things that you've seen me do in other people's lives, out of all the things that I went ahead and did in your life, do you still have no faith? And so I just thought about that. I said, man, true rest, true rest. We truly need to get to the place of true rest. And as I was looking at that, because sometimes I'm very visual, I like to write things down. And so I was like, rest, rest. What happens when you don't rest? And for whatever the reason, the Holy Spirit showed me a rest. And I was like, hmm. Okay, so we know what rest means, right? I think everybody kind of, but what happens when something is arrested? What happens when there is a arrest? And so I looked it up. And, you know, the bishops over there in the New Oxford Dictionary, this is what they defined it as. So arrest is seized by legal authority and taken into custody. The second definition was stopped or checked, progress or a process. So that's why certain people have cardiac arrest. Because the rhythmic in their heart has stopped, has become abnormal. Something has the progress that was before is no longer. That is why when a person gets arrested, their freedom is seized. So what is happening in the realm of rest that you have allowed yourself to go from rest into the perverted version of arrest? What is happening that the world and the enemy, and we can blame all the different things, but what is your cable connected to that allowed you to accept being arrested when you have been given the dominion to have rest, that God said, come to me and I will give you rest, that Jesus could be at the bottom of the boat with his head on the cushion, the boat is filling up with water, things are breaking, and he understood the assignment, literally rest. Oh, but you don't understand <laughs> that. No, no, no. Put yourself literally in that boat. Real talk, real time. You are in a boat that is filling with water. You are in the middle of the ocean, okay? which means that you don't see nobody shore. Have a nice day. There is no lifeboat in here. You don't have on no uh, life jacket. There isn't a, a extra raft at the side of the boat. It is if this boat don't make it, neither do you have a nice day. And that's exactly how the disciples looked at it. If we don't go ahead and get this resolved, it, everybody's getting ready to see uh, the heavenly courts, okay? And so they woke him up with that. We've already, listen, we know what happens after this. This is not a cartoon. <laughs> this is real life. 
Yeah, I, I know the bills that you feel and what you feel at your job and what you feel in that relationship and with, with that medical report that was given. You already concluded, bruh, this is getting ready to get real. But the disciples forgot, even though they was able to physically, tangibly touch him, that Jesus is in it with you. He's in it with you. We tend to forget that the Holy Spirit, God, he dwells in you. So it's no difference. Uh, disciples, why y'all was afraid and Jesus is with you? Oh, don't oh, don't look at them like that. Look at you like that. Why do you still respond in such a way? And he lives in you. Hmm. That the Bible says that you can ask God for anything in his name, his son's namesake, and he will do it. I literally had it with my verse of the day. I'm pulling it up now from the Bible for you version. It's Mark 923 NOT version. And it says, What do you mean if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. Bruh, I cannot, I'm getting ready to throw my I cannot describe to you how many times that Jesus has let us know, listen, I am literally the key that you need to unlock whatever it is that you're asking God for. What do you mean? But you don't understand. This is, I don't have no family down here. No, you don't understand, like, the money that I don't have. No, you don't understand. If I don't get this degree, then I don't pursue, I don't get what I'm trying to get in my career. No, you don't understand. If I don't, what do you mean he don't understand? And and you may not be verbalizing that, but that's your posture. At least the disciples were able to verbalize, uh, don't you care that they're drowning? But even if they didn't say that, the way that they alarmingly woke him up showed that they was angry with him. Showed that they had a fear that was there. Get to a place of true rest. True rest. Where your mind, your physical, your emotions... E, all the above, just takes a deep rest. You're done. You pass the baton to God by praying and casting your care. It's not that you should care less, more than that you need to cast faster. That you need to cast the care first. There are things that are weighing you down that should have never got that heavy. The moment that you recognize, ooh, if that continues to happen, that's going to make me fit. Wait a minute. As soon as you got the notification in your being, that's when you go ahead and you cast. Oh, wait a minute. They look like they are okay with scrambling here. Oh, wait a minute. They look like they're okay with uh <laughs> keeping people mm -mm, late after work. I don't understand. Oh, wait. Whatever it is that you recognize, I need you to cast. What would have happened if at the onset of the disciples seeing, wait a minute, it's starting to rain inside. Oh, it's starting to rain inside the boat. Hold on. <laughs> Jesus it's starting to rain inside the boat. What if they just would have went to him first? Instead of coming to him after they already probably burnt themselves out and said, don't you care that we're drowning? 
Why did you wait until it was drown worthy to come to me? Why did you wait? Because you figured you can do it by yourself? Because you figured, you know what? I, I, I kind of know how to do the little bit of the of the stuff that needs to be done. So, you know, no, you wait till it got alarmingly overwhelming before you even decided to come to Jesus. Did you not know where he was at? Because the Bible says that uh, he was at the bottom of the boat. So did his position change? Believe not because he was asleep. The same thing with you. Same thing with you. Did you forget how to pray? Did you forget how to cast something out? No, because you sure know how to complain about it. <laughs> so all you're doing is taking the uh, emotion out of it and just transferring it to a prayer, right? Or you can do it with emotion. You know, come as you are. I ain't trying to change you. That's between you and the Lord. So my challenge to you, if you have not gone ahead and, and recognized it, stop waiting until it gets overwhelming and just truly cast what needs to be cast to God first so that you can truly have rest. Otherwise, you're going to feel every bit of being arrested in that situation chained locked stifled whatever you want to say whatever it is that makes you understand that now what was once free for you it, it is is now feeling a little bit uh yeah it's a problem now okay need you to go to god and say i've been running a relay race like it's a one man like it's a sprinter I, i've been doing this wrong okay and now that i understand that I'm connected to my external factor a little bit too much. Now that I understand truly what true rest is supposed to look like and what it's supposed to feel like, I want to feel exactly the way that Jesus felt at the bottom of the boat. I want to feel that level of rest. But I know that I can only do that if I cast to Jesus first, early, whatever it is, and that I don't carry that by myself. <sighs> True rest, true rest, true rest. All right. I felt like you got what you needed. Mm -hmm. You know what these conversations are, right? They're life-provoking conversations, conversations that not the average person is going to have with you, but who your favorite homegirl, okay? Who else is going to brew the tea, make the tea, add the honey to the tea, sip the tea, and drink it with you. Hello. Good morning. Who but your favorite homegirl? Who? Who? But I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go because um, I'm thirsty. Okay. And I'm about to get me some true rest. You have a nice day. I'll talk to you later. Mm-hmm. Okay. Later. <laughs>